Thank you, choir. A scripture reading this morning comes from 1 Timothy chapter 5, found on page 1028 of the Pew Bible. If you don't have one with you, you can use the one in front of you, located in the Pew, 1028. We're going to be reading from 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 1 through 16. Paul writes, Do not rebuke an older man, but encourage him as you would a father. Treat younger men like brothers, older women like mothers, younger women like sisters in all purity. Honor widows who are truly widows. But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents. For this is pleasing in the sight of God. She who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well so that they may be without reproach. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Let a widow be enrolled if she is not less than 60 years of age, having been the wife of one husband and having a reputation for good works. If she has been brought up, if she has brought up children, has shown hospitality, has washed the feet of the saints, has cared for the afflicted, and has devoted herself to every good work, but refuse to enroll younger widows, for when their passions draw them away from Christ, they desire to marry, and so incur condemnation for having abandoned their former faith, former faith. Besides that, they learn to be idlers going about from house to house, and not only idlers, but also gossips and busybodies, saying what they should not. So, I would have younger widows marry, bear children, manage their households, and give the adversary no occasion for slander. For some have already strayed after Satan. If any believing woman has relatives who are widows, let her care for them. Let the church not be burdened so that it may care for those who are really widows. This is the word of the Lord. You know, Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to address some issues within the Ephesian church. Timothy is the young pastor there of this church that Paul planted some years before. And he's dealing with a number of issues. As we've been working through this letter, you know, we realize that this church began to have some people that were teaching some doctrines, some things that were not aligned with the gospel of Jesus Christ, that they were not aligned with what God had handed down to them through the apostles and prophets. And so they were dealing with false teachers. Uh, there were some people that were downplaying the value of the body and even downplaying marriage itself, believing that somehow being single was, is more spiritual than being married. And so there seemed to be some confusion there about what God's word actually taught. And also there was some confusion about who should be a deacon and who should be a pastor, elder. And so Paul writes this letter to Timothy and tells him how he can bring correction to these issues. He's helping this young pastor out by writing this letter and helping us out as well as we reflect on his words. Now here's the thing though. Here's where it gets a little sticky. See, the way you correct error is by correcting people that are performing the error. And so I don't know about you, but 
Does anyone really love confrontation? <laughs> you know, this is, Paul's, this is Paul's issue with Timothy. You know, Timothy's probably thinking, I really don't enjoy confrontation. But in order to correct the errors in the church, you have to correct the people committing the errors in the church. And so Paul is trying to encourage Timothy as he looks to have these conversations with other leaders in the church, as well as people that are older than him and younger than him. And I don't know if Timothy, I don't think he looked forward to this. We don't, I don't, I don't look forward to it. If I have to confront, you know, a friend and say, you're wrong. I mean, who, who looks forward to that, right? I don't think many people. And so if you love someone though, and this is where Paul's going with this. If you love someone, then you're going to speak truth into their lives. You you are going to confront them. You are going to share with them where they're going off base with or offline with what God wants for them. And so you want to speak truth in their lives. But if you love someone, you're going to do that in a specific manner. You're going to do it in love. And this is why Paul begins chapter 5 the way he does. He reminds Timothy that even though there are errors that must be corrected, we must deal with errors as a family. And this is why he says in verses 1 and 2, and I'm going to, use, I'm going to read from the uh, NIV translation. He says, Do not rebuke an older man harshly, but exhort him as if he were your father. Treat younger men as brothers, older women as mothers, and younger women as sisters with absolute purity. So Paul tells the younger pastor here, Timothy, to correct an older man the way you would correct your father. So I know not all of us have, have had good experiences with fathers, but if you just think about that, how would a young person correct his father or her father? What Paul's saying is well, you do it respectfully. It's not that you don't correct them. You do. But you do it in a certain way. You do it respectfully, lovingly. The phrase here, to rebuke harshly, in verse 1 carries, carries with it this idea of striking or hitting someone. And used in this context, it's, it's a picture of you know, striking or hitting someone with words. And so that's why he says, do not rebuke them harshly. He doesn't say don't rebuke them. He just says you need to do it in a specific way. And so he tells them that you need to rebuke older men and younger women and older women the way you would correct a father or a, your mother. And you need to correct younger men and women, not as a superior, but rather as their brother. And so what we see here is that we should seek to address each other you know, as family. And all throughout the Bible, uh, we see this picture of the people of God being a family. A family that loves one another and respects one another. And this should govern how we seek to correct one another. And so now with that said, Paul sets the context again, reminds Timothy, you know, you are a family, but you need to correct each other like a family. And oh, by the way, I have another issue I need to bring up that you're going to have to deal with here. And so the issue that Paul brings up is that in, in Ephesus there is how the church is to care for widows within the church. Now, I wonder how many of you have heard sermons on widows. You know, it's not a very, you know, necessarily popular topic. But yet, this was an issue in the Ephesian church. And it's also an issue in our church and in churches across the world. And so, we need to look at God's Word and see how we should handle this. And so, the issue they were dealing with was how to care for widows within the church. Because if the church is a family, this is Paul's logic, if the church is a family, and if one of our family members 
experiences the death of a spouse, then we should be concerned with their welfare. If we're family. I mean, if we love them. And so concern for the widow, specifically, runs throughout the Bible. From the Old Testament through the New. I'm just going to share two verses. One from the Old, one from the New Testament. Just to show you a little bit about what the Scripture says about this. But Psalm uh, 68.5 says, Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in His holy habitation. And then over in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 27. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this. To visit orphans and widows in their affliction. And to keep oneself unstained from the world. So what we see in the Old and the New Testaments is that God wants His people to help those who are unable to help themselves. The vulnerable. Those who cannot provide or help themselves, God's people should step in and provide assistance. So in Paul's day and in ours, uh, sometimes that includes someone who has lost a spouse to death or divorce. And so now as we begin to think about that, how the church should care for someone who has lost a spouse through death or divorce, uh, a couple questions come to mind, at least it came to my mind. One is, well, do you care for widows the same way whether they're old or young, whether they're Christians or not? And then once you identify who does need help, how do you help them? Like what's the best way to help? And so I think there's just a few questions that come up. Because here's what was most likely happening in the church. In that the, the issue was, it wasn't that they were not helping widows within the church family. They were, but the way they were helping widows was actually doing more harm than good. And so Paul says, no, you need to, there is a criteria that you should follow. Or there are criteria you need to follow as you seek to, as a church now, collectively, how you should help widows. And this is why Paul wrote these verses. He wants to encourage Timothy to continue to help widows, but at the same time, he wants to share with him, there are certain criteria that need to be implemented. So what are the criteria? First, Paul says this in verse 3, which is an interesting way to put it. I'm reading from the ESV, but this is what he says. Honor widows who are truly widows. Which is an interesting phrase, isn't it? Honor widows who are truly widows. First of all, he says honor, which means not just recognize them or you know, hold them in a respectable position or anything like that. What he's talking about is support. He's saying you need to support widows who are truly widows. And this includes financial support or any type of help they may need. So honor widows who are truly widows. And so what he's telling Timothy is that not all widows are in need of the church's support in this way. Specifically financial support, resources. Not all widows are in need of that. Some are, some are not. And so honor widows, support widows who are truly widows. In other words, not all widows have been left completely alone without resources. But some have. And this is why Paul goes on to say in verse 4, But if a widow has children or grandchildren, let them first learn to show godliness to their own household and to make some return to their parents 
for this is pleasing in the sight of God. And so you have the picture here of honor your father and mother. You have this picture of just as your parents cared for you, now you need to care for them. Then down in verse 8 we read, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. What Paul is saying is, you know, even, even the non-Christian world realizes that there's some obligation to care for their parents and grandparents. Okay? Even, even those who don't know Christ have not experienced the love of Christ in their lives. They understand that. And so... For a Christian not to do that, knowing the love of God, knowing the Word of God, that's worse than if a non-believer does it, right? Because we have experienced God's love and concern ourselves, and we know what God's Word says, and so then we should follow what He says, obey. And so what Paul's saying is that before the local church provides financially for a widow, her family, specifically in this passage, namely her children or grandchildren, should seek to meet her needs first. So it's primarily the responsibility of the immediate family to ensure that their mother or grandmother has what they need. So the first criteria is that the church should help provide for widows who do not have family that can help them. That's the first criteria. Second criteria is that the church should help widows who are members of good standing in the church. Look at verses 5 through 7. Paul says, she, is, she who is truly a widow, left all alone, has set her hope on God and continues in supplications and prayers night and day. But she who is self-indulgent is dead even while she lives. Command these things as well. So that they may be without reproach. You know, Paul's always concerned with how the world sees the church. This idea of being without reproach among the city. And so he wants us to function the way God wants us to function. And he says, okay, you need to seek to care, primarily care for those widows who are in good standing with the church, who are trusting in the Lord. Because there are some that are departing from the word of God who may be, quote-unquote, in the church, but they're not living like it. And so you don't need to support that lifestyle. What you need to do is support those who are trusting in the Lord, who are spending their time in ministry and in service of the church and of, of the Lord, in prayer and supplication, for example. And this, just a little side note on this. You know, the ministry of prayer is probably one of the best ministries for widows to participate in, especially as you grow older and maybe you lack mobility and things you're, you just can't do that you once were able to do, the ministry of prayer is a fantastic way for you to contribute to the ministry of the church. I just was talking to a, a church member just this past week. I called her on the phone and she's a widow in our church and she's unable to get out much. She's, she, she lacks mobility, um, but she loves the Lord. And she just said, Ron, she almost said it in, a, in, a, in an apologetic way, you know, wishing that she could do more. And she says, you know, I wish I could do more, but I'm, I'm praying for the church daily. I'm praying for the church. Well, what do you think I told her? I mean, that's exactly what you need to be doing. I, it's okay. You don't have to do anything other than that. The Lord is listening to your, we need your prayers 
day in, day out. This is a wonderful ministry. And the scripture is filled with examples of this. How women are praying and undergirding the ministry of the church in prayer. Especially when you get to the place where you just can't do some of the things that you once were able to do. So I said, please continue to pray for that. That's exactly what we need. And this is a wonderful ministry uh, for you if you are limited in what you can do. Uh, I mean, you could pray through, you could grab a membership directory, you could have our administrative assistant print you one out, and you could just pray through the membership of our church. Uh, You could pray through our our Wednesday night prayer list as we mention different concerns within our church family and our community. You could take the church calendar that comes out in the the monthly newsletter and just pray through the different activities that are coming up that God would use it to glorify Himself and draw people to Himself and build people up in Himself. Uh, You know, we, we need you, no matter how old you are, what your gifts are, uh, how mobile you are. You know, we need everyone contributing to what God is doing in this, in this place. And part of that ministry, and what really undergirds all of it, is prayer. And this is one of the best ministries that we can all participate in, and especially uh, those of you who may be widows. So the second criteria is that the church should seek to help widows who are all alone and who are followers of Jesus. And then a third criteria that Paul gives is that the church should seek to help older widows and even enlist them into service, like I mentioned, in church, in the church, the family of the church, and then encourage, widow, encourage younger widows to seek other means of support. So in the Ephesian context, this meant marrying again. So if you lost your husband at a young age, then Paul says, I encourage you, if possible, to seek to marry again. Because in that day, the first century, in first century Ephesus, it was a very patriarchal society. And it was very difficult for a single woman or a widowed woman to earn a living. This is what one scholar said about this. He says, In the ancient world, it was next to impossible for a single or a widowed woman to earn her living honestly. There was hardly anything that she could do. There was practically no trade or profession open to her. The result was inevitable. She was almost driven to prostitution in order to live. All of this passage has got to be read against a background where it was almost completely impossible for a single woman to be independent through honest work. And because of that context, Paul says that younger widows should seek to remarry if the opportunity is there. And obviously in the broader context of that, I mean, Paul, he talks about this in Corinthians, is that we want to marry in the Lord. I mean, we want to marry like-minded people it doesn't mean marry whoever, just so you can uh, you know, have support. But this is within the context of the rest of the Scripture. But Paul says younger widow, widows should seek to remarry. And perhaps another reason why Paul is emphasizing this is because there were some teachers within the church at Ephesus that were downplaying marriage. There was, they were actually saying you know, to actually remain single is somehow more spiritual than to be married. And so perhaps Paul is encouraging marriage in light of the, uh, the bad rep that it was getting uh, among some in Ephesus. And also, this was causing problems in the church because 
the younger widows were becoming idle. If you read in the passage, they were, they were becoming idle, and they had a tendency to you know, fill their time with things that were not as productive, such as gossip, and that was causing some trouble within the church. Now, obviously, times have changed a bit since the first century, right? Some of you may think they've changed a lot. Some of you may think they haven't changed that much. But they've changed. I think we can all agree to that. They've changed some, especially for women. Uh, today, you know, if a woman lost her husband, then she has more options than, she, than the, uh, the, the widow woman in the first century, right? I mean, there's just more options open to her to find support than the woman in the first century. And I think the point here is that the church should help the younger widow to seek options to support herself if possible. Whether that's remarriage or finding a job or whatever may, you know, obviously even our even the way our government functions is different than the Roman government in the first century, right? And so there are other options that they just didn't have back then that we should help and pursue uh, in order to find support for those who need it. And so the church should prioritize, I think this is what Paul is saying here, the church should prioritize help based on the widow's ability to support herself. So let me give you a scenario. Let's say there's a widow in our church who's 85 years old, uh, no living family, and all she has for income is uh, a meager Social Security check that comes in every month. And so every month she has to wrestle with whether she's going to buy groceries or she's going to buy her medication. Now let's say we have another widow in our church that is 45 years old. And now, just, just hear me when I say this. I'm not in any way uh, minimizing the grief experienced by either one. I'm just coming at it from Paul's perspective saying, how should the church approach care and support? And so let's say we have a, uh, another widow in our church that's 45 years old. She has no living family members. But because of her age, she just simply has more options to seek support than someone who is 85 and maybe lacks mobility, right? And so I think what we have to say is as a church, obviously we have to discern it by case by case. But what we would say is, okay, our 85-year-old church member, she needs some financial support. And our church needs to figure out how to make that happen. Whereas the 45-year-old, we need to come alongside her and maybe it's not financial support she needs. But maybe she needs some help trying to find a job or seeking out other means of support. But it's not that we don't help as a church, but maybe our help looks a little bit different. And I think Paul is just telling Timothy, you know, you have to have this criteria in mind and you have to be wise in how you approach each situation. So it is our job as members of this church, of the Hill Baptist Church now, us. This is our job to figure out how to best come alongside those who have lost a spouse based on the criteria Paul has laid out in this chapter as well as other parts of Scripture. Now, with all that said, what do we do with that? What do you do with that? What does the Hill Baptist Church do with that? And I think there are two main things that we need to do with this. First, You have the responsibility to care for your parents and grandparents. Okay? 
That's your responsibility. I see some nudging going on back there. Okay, just as they cared for you, and now you must care for them. And this is your responsibility. Now, what that means is, you need case-by-case situation, and many of you have gone through this. Based on their need, you have to figure out how to best meet that need. Sometimes, sometimes that demands help beyond what you can offer. And so you have to bring in some other people to help you do that. But the point is that that is your responsibility. This is my responsibility to seek to care for my parents and my grandparents as they grow older. And I would say if you're unsure how that would work, how that looks, what I would encourage you to do is just seek some godly counsel. Talk to other church members that have been through similar situations that have aging parents or grandparents and ask them, well, how did you do this? And how did you do that? And what do you think about this? This is our situation. I mean, get counsel. I mean, I know this is not easy, but I think we need to take this responsibility on and we need to figure out how we can best uh, care for our parents and grandparents as they get older. Secondly, if you're a member of the Hill Baptist Church then you have the responsibility to help, help to care for the widows in our congregation. It's because we're a family. So you have your immediate family, but then you have your church family. And so it is our responsibility as a congregation to seek to help the widows in our congregation. There's a couple ways you can do that. One is you can give financially. You know, as you give financially to the mission of the church, that's why we take up an offering every month, I mean every week. We take up an offering and we use these funds to, to fund different ministries of the church. And so one way you can help the church fulfill this role is by giving financially, which empowers the church and enables the church to provide ministries that serve our widows. Also, another way you can help is through acts of service. As you get to know those in our church family that have lost a spouse, you can look for ways to serve them. You know, it could be something as simple as you know calling them on the phone and just getting to know them, uh, writing them an encouraging letter. It could be offering to you know drive someone to a doctor's appointment, or maybe run to the grocery store for someone. You could offer to cut their grass or rake their leaves in the fall, or you could choose one of our homebound members. Uh, or one of our members that is in an assisted living or nursing home. And you could just adopt them and say, you know, I'm going to adopt this person. I want to come visit them on a consistent basis and just minister to them. Uh, we had some friends in Winston-Salem that would do this with their family. And it's a great idea. But the point is, there, there are many ways that you can minister to those in our church family that have lost a spouse and we honor those who are older and who, and who have lost a spouse by filling in the gaps left by their immediate family. So even if their immediate family is providing care, what we want to do as a church, we want to see are there any gaps in there that we can help fill so that those among us who are getting older, who have lost a spouse, they are properly cared for. You know, as I was studying this, one of the most powerful expressions of a son seeking to care for his mother is found in the Gospel of John in chapter 19. You know, many believe by the time that Jesus faced the cross that his father had died. 
and left his mother Mary widow. And in John 19, we read that when Jesus was sentenced to crucifixion and set and led up on the hill called Golgotha, on that hill they crucified him, they nailed him to the cross. And while he was hanging on the cross, John tells us the following in verses 25 through 27. Listen to what he says. He says, But standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, Behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his home. You know, what, a, what a powerful picture of a son caring for his widowed mother. And what a, what a great move of obedience and love by John to take Jesus' mother to his home and care for her. You know, may we as a church of Jesus Christ practice that same type of love and obedience as we seek to care for the widows in our families and in our church family. Let us pray. Father, we are thankful that you have placed us in our family here, our church family. Lord, thank you for your word that gives us guidance in everyday life. Even when it comes to caring for our parents and our grandparents. Lord, give us wisdom in how we as a church and we as individuals can do a better job of ministering to those who have lost their spouses. Lord, help us as family members to uh, seek, just care, how we can care and make sure they have the support they need. And then as a church family, help us to figure out and discern how we can best fill the gaps. So that every person that is part of this church family has what they need. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.